What a privilege it is for us to be in the house of the Lord together today. What a privilege it is for us to hold the word of the Lord in our hands today. Amen. Dear friend, I pray that we not only hold the word of the Lord in our hands, but I pray also that we would hold it in our hearts. Amen. Amen. And what a privilege it is for us to come into the house of the Lord and to worship him here together. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like for you to turn to the book of Psalms and chapter number 27. We've not taken much time to recognize this yet today, but I also want to praise God for the overturning of that ungodly decision that happened so many years ago here in the U.S. Amen. We ought to say hallelujah. We ought to say praise the Lord today and bless his holy name uh, for the work that's being done. Uh, but I want to remind you, if you've, if you've paid attention at all to what's going on in the nation here right now as a result of that decision, Christians, I want to tell you to stay in close and to strap up tight. Amen. Uh, persecution is becoming increasingly uh, more persistent here in this land of ours. And I want to tell you today that that's not taking the Lord by surprise. Uh, the Lord's not sitting up on his throne in heaven twiddling his thumbs to saying, oh my, what are we going to do about this? Uh, he is on his throne and he is sovereign and he's in control. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. And thank God, in, in, including all of those things, he's also merciful and kind and loving. And, uh, but Jesus said to his disciples, they persecuted me they will persecute you. A servant is not greater than his master. If you are a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're a born-again believer and you are trusting in him, uh, you ought to, to expect to be persecuted. And dear friends, if you're not facing any type of persecution at any point in your life, then you're not in the battlefield. Because on the battlefield, there is a war that is raging, and the enemy has his devices, but that's okay. As we spoke about on Wednesday night, praise God, I'm pleased to announce that we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. Amen. The battle's already been won. I've read the end of the book. I know how it turns out. It's like stepping up to the plate knowing you're going to hit a home run. That ought to give you confidence. Amen. Uh, stand with me, please. We're going to read Psalm chapter number 27 together. Please, if you don't have a Bible in your hands, get one in your hands. There are Bibles in the pews. I'm pleased to read the word of the Lord to you, but I'd much rather you see it with your own eyes. Amen? Yes. Psalm 27, beginning at verse number 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise up against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. 
Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou said, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When, thy, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty." I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Father God, once again, we thank you for your precious and holy word today. And now, Lord, we ask that your precious and holy spirit would come down and dwell in us and amongst us. And Lord, that you would move here in this place today. We ask it in the name uh, of your precious and holy son, Jesus. Amen and amen. You can be seated, folks. I want to ask you here today, if you were to consider yourself here this morning in, in, in your life and the focus uh, maybe that you have chosen for your life right now, what is your one thing? What is that one thing? If you had to focus everything that you are uh, doing in your life right now, the things that you are striving after, the things that you are striving for, uh, the, the things that occupy your attention, your focus, your resources, your time, uh, what is that one thing that would become most prevalent in your life? Uh, what have you boiled everything else out to? And, and, and what one thing supersedes everything else in your life. Uh, I believe that if you could ask uh, Almighty God for anything in this world, uh, if he were to grant you that one wish, what would it be? We ask many things of the Lord. Amen. Uh, we, we pray and we ask him for, uh, for help in difficult circumstances that we're in. We pray and ask the Lord for uh, provision. As things get more difficult and more expensive, uh, people are, are starting to lose jobs. The fuel's up, food's up. Everything is harder and more, uh, uh, more difficult right now. And, and, I, and I have to believe that there are many more people that are praying right now. And to that I say amen. I'm glad the Lord puts us in the position where we have to pray, aren't you? We, so we pray for, for help, and we pray for uh, provision. Oftentimes, we pray for others. Somebody came to me this morning and, and mentioned the Lady Connie that we prayed for that has a blood clot. When, when we find out somebody has a need, the right uh, and the Christian thing for us to do is to pray for them. Amen? Amen. Uh, so we, we seek of the Lord many things. I want you to know today that I have asked the Lord uh, for many things concerning you. I pray for you often. I pray for your health. I pray that you're, that you're well. I pray uh, not just for your health, but I pray. You know what's more important to me than your health? Your walk with the Lord. Your salvation. If you're here today without the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to know that you're in a perilous condition. And that if you are to perish in that condition, you'll spend an eternity in hell. And I don't want that for you. I pray for your salvation. I'm here preaching this morning because I care about your salvation. 
But once you're saved, I don't stop praying for you then. I pray for your walk. I pray that the Lord would help you to stand against temptation. I pray that he would make you strong. I pray that you would be a witness to him. I pray that you would lead your children and your families. And, and uh, I pray that you would be able to stand during times of persecution. I pray that we together would open this word of the Lord multiple times a week together. As a matter of fact, I'm praying that you open it every day. And that God would take this book and change us with it. Amen? I pray for these things for all of you. But David was no different. David asked many things of the Lord also. And we see through the Psalms and other books in the Bible that David prayed and he asked for wisdom uh, when they were going into battle. David would ask the Lord, should we go up and should we battle? And he would ask the Lord for guidance and, and difficult situations. I don't know about you, but one thing I have figured out is that I don't have it figured out. And so I pray often and ask the Lord, please guide me. How can I know where to go and what to do except you guide me, Lord? David prayed for wisdom, but also uh, David prayed for a clean heart. Did you know that? He asked the Lord to create in him a clean heart. After he had sinned, he repented of his sin, and he turned to the Lord, and he said, Lord, please create in me a clean heart. David also prayed that the Lord would punish the wicked. And even this morning, as we, as we spoke of some of the things that are going on in this land, and we're told that we have to pray for our enemies, and here's the thing, when it comes to things that are not right in this world, you don't have to bear that burden yourself, because the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Guess what, folks? Not our department. Not our responsibility. We don't have to worry about these. We can let go of anger and anxiety and all these things that, that come into our hearts when we see what's happening in our land because the Lord will take care of these things. And David prayed for that. But David also prayed that God would fulfill his promises and keep his covenant. It's good to pray scripture back to the Lord. Not that the Lord has forgotten what he said, but you know what? It helps us remember what he said. Amen. Uh, to pray and ask God to keep his promises that he has made, and he has made many of them. And I, I believe, you know what? The Lord has been so good, and he has kept us word, his word all this time. I believe he's going to keep his word all the way through, don't you? Amen. Amen. Uh, David also prayed for deliverance from his enemies, and we have experienced that oftentimes. Uh, so what I'm telling you is we can identify with these prayers that David has offered, because oftentimes we offer these prayers also. But after living his life on the earth, being anointed as the king of Israel, being the, the warrior of Israel, leading Israel through battles and, and uh, establishing the kingdom there in Jerusalem and all of the things that, that happened during the life of David in the last years of his life and after all of these other requests, David says, I have narrowed it down to this one thing. One thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. David experienced all the things that this world has to offer. He was a king. Uh, he had wives and families and all of those things. David started out as a lowly shepherd boy and was exalted all the way to the throne there in Jerusalem. He had experienced all the things that the world had to offer. And at the end of his life, David said, of everything that I've, I've experienced, the one thing that I desire is to dwell in the house of the Lord. 
I say amen and amen. That's what we want to do. We want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life. And, and if you'll look with me here in the scriptures, when we dwell in the house of the Lord, uh, the first thing that will happen is we will see his beauty. The Bible says in verse number four, one thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of of the Lord. One reason to dwell in the house of the Lord is to see his beauty. I'll tell you here uh, that I think Brother Kenny mentioned in Sunday school this morning, he says, sometimes we witness to people and they say, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't want to hear about the Lord. And Brother Kenny said, some of you have heard that before. And I said, yeah, Brother Kenny, I've, I've heard that before. And I have to admit, I've said that before too. Before I was saved, before I knew the Lord, I didn't want to hear the word of the Lord either. Uh, but you know what? Until I heard the word of the Lord and until I surrendered my heart to him, I knew nothing about the beauty of the Lord. And the more I dwell with him and the more I dwell in his house, the more I get to see of his beauty, the more I get to see of his love and his kindness, and the more I'm drawn to him. Amen? I want to dwell in the house of the Lord so that I can see his beauty, his kindness, and, and his favor for us. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter number 9 and verse 17, how great is his goodness and how great is his beauty. Let me ask you a question. Are, are you seeing the beauty of the Lord? Has he been uh, good to you? Are you enjoying his favor uh, on your life? And is he beautiful to you? I was, uh, I was in the bank yesterday. I had to go in and get a paper notarized, and I was talking to a lady that I know there at the bank, and, and uh, somehow this thing about the Roe versus Wade getting struck down come up, and we began to talk about it. And I, and I told her, I said, what, what amazes me is uh, the dissent against stopping the murder of these innocent children. And, and so it, it led into a conversation about the Lord and we got to talk about other things. And one of the things I said to her, I said, I said do you know one of the things that absolutely baffles me? What's wrong with the Lord? What's wrong with the Lord? He's good. And he's loving and he's kind and he's forgiving and he's gracious and he's merciful and he's long-suffering and, and he takes care of us and he provides of it and he died for us and he wants to say, what is wrong with that? Why do people uh, have so much angst and so much anger before him that they would not want to be drawn into his beauty and into his love? Listen to me, I'm gonna ask you a pointed question here this morning. If you are not saved, why not? If you have not surrendered your heart to Christ, why not? You come to me after the service and you give me one good reason why you should not be saved. You tell me one good reason that is worthy of you spending an eternity in hell when a gracious and loving God has given his life that you might be saved. You give me one valid reason. You, tell, you come and tell me what's wrong with God. I'm telling you before the Lord that he is beautiful and he is wonderful. And what he wants to do in your life is the most amazing thing that you could ever experience. And I, I, I tell you what, I just absolutely love him. And the, the, the truth that I cling to in my life is knowing that the Lord is with me and that he will not forsake me. We go into these battles and tribulations and different things that we face and they're hard and they're difficult, but I realize that I don't have to go alone. I don't have to go through what I'm going through alone because I have a Lord that I can lean on. 
I can go to him and, and there's never been a friend like Jesus. There's not one like him in all the world. And I go to him with my burdens and my cares and I know that he hears me. He is beautiful and he is wonderful. When we dwell in the house of the Lord, not only will we see his beauty, but we also will seek his will. It says there at the end of verse four, uh, that to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You, you know what it means to inquire in his temple is to go ask him, to go seek his will, to ask the Lord what his will is and what it is that he wants us to do. There's a story in the book of Judges in chapter number 20. And, uh, the Bible says, uh, I, I can't give you a lot of detail because of the time constraint this morning, but basically there was a civil problem in Israel. They were turned against each other at this point in the scriptures. Have you ever known a time in the, in the United States when we were turned against each other like we are right now? I know we can look back and we can talk about the time of civil war. And I, none of us here... Uh, were alive. Son, I promise you, as old as you think I am, I was not alive during the Civil War. None of us lived through that time. I'm sure it was a horrible time on the face of the earth, but this is a time that we are dwelling in right now and the people are absolutely against each other. And you know what happened? Read with me here in Judges chapter 20, these two verses. It says, Then all the children of Israel and all the people went up and came unto the house of God. All that the people of this land would come together in the house of God. And they wept and they sat there before the Lord and they fasted that day until even. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And the children of Israel inquired of the Lord. They asked the Lord. They sought his face uh, for the ark of the covenant of God was there in those days. In other words, they went to his house to seek his help. Amen? You know what this land needs today? It doesn't need more politicians and it doesn't need more laws and it doesn't need all of these things. What it needs is the people of this land to go to the house of the Lord together and seek his help together. Amen. We need to seek the Lord together. We need to ask for, uh, for his blessing and his help uh, to be upon us. And here's the thing. How many know today in order for us to do his will, we first have to know his will. Amen. I mean, I can, I can take my son uh, into, the, into our shop and say, son, I want you to change the, uh, change the alternator. It needs replaced here on this. Can you do that for me? Well, until I tell him how to do it, he's not going to know how, is he? And we've got a lot of people walking around that, that want to try to do the will of the Lord, but they have no idea to how to do the will of the Lord because they don't know what the will of the Lord is. But I'm reminded this morning that he has not left us without instruction. We have a manual right here. Just like that car comes with a manual that tells you how to check the oil and all those other things, we have a manual that tells us what his will is. But we got to open it. I would say the majority of car manuals uh, that exist in this land probably never get opened. Probably a lot of them in the glove box still wrapped in plastic. Amen? A lot of these manuals not getting opened either. They're sitting at home and they're covered in dust. They don't get red and they don't get opened. And when people are asked about it, they say, well, it's just so hard, I don't have time. You have time for what you want to do. You need to open the manual and seek his will. We cannot know his will. We cannot do his will unless we know his will. And I also believe that we cannot know his will unless we are in close communion with him. 
it's important for us to have a close personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are praying every single day, that we are relying on him, that we, uh, we are nurturing that re- relationship. And one of the, the ways that we nurture that relationship is coming together to worship together. Amen? We were made to be in family and in communion. And I'll tell you this much, when it comes to the will of God, there's no better place for you to be in your life than in the center of God's will for you. And I can't tell you what that is for you, but he can. He can, you know what? I, I didn't know where my life was going to lead me. When people first started telling me that I was gonna be a preacher one day, I, was, I tucked my tail between my legs and I ran. Uh, was my first response. My second response, I sort of felt like, like Sarah. I just started to laugh. I, I, that was funny to me because it seemed so ridiculous to me that that would ever happen. But you know what? His plan for our lives is far better than the one that we have. And if you want to know what God's will is for your life, you need to ask him and trust him to point you. Amen? He will guide you. He doesn't leave us or forsake us. So when we dwell in the house of the Lord, we see his beauty, we seek his will. But I want you to know also that when we dwell in the house of the Lord, that we are safe in his house. The Bible says in verse five, that for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. We are safe when we are with uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the house of the Lord, I want you to know, was not only precious to David, but the house of the Lord was also protective to David. It was a safe place for him to dwell, a safe place for him to come together. Brother Kenny mentioned the, the, uh, the prayer meeting we had on Wednesday night. Uh, and, and we started off the service a little bit differently than we often do. We just sort of confessed some things to one another, some things that we were struggling with and some difficulties that we were having, which, by the way, is biblical. The Bible says confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. And that's what we did. We talked about some of the things that we were, that we were struggling with. And you know what? Uh, we're able to do that. Why? Because this is a safe place. I fear sometimes that people, uh, people don't come and repent. They don't come and, and, uh, and, and ask the Lord to forgive them because they're afraid for other people to think that there's something wrong in their lives. Well, let me just level the playing field for you. There's something wrong in all of our lives. I wear mine on the outside of my body. It's called flesh. I imagine that's where yours is too. And as long as we dwell in this flesh, we've got a problem. But Jesus died to pay for that problem. And uh, this is a safe place that you can come and you can have your sins forgiven. You can have your, uh, though your sins be as scarlet, they can become white as snow, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah. Uh, This is a safe place for us to dwell in the Lord and there's much for us to fear in this Lord. But when you dwell in the house of the Lord, you are safe. In the book of Isaiah in chapter 54, the Bible says, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Are you a servant of the Lord? Then this is your heritage. This is your inheritance. This is what we receive as a child of the Lord, that the weapons of this world will not prosper against us. And listen to me clearly and hear what I'm saying. I'm not promising you that you won't have trouble. I'm not promising you that you won't have tribulation. Jesus promised the opposite. 
He promised that you will have tribulation, but he said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. He's already won the victory. What I am promising you is that ultimately these things will not have the victory. We have the victory through him who died for us, amen? And not a single thing in this world. If they take me out there and line me up and execute me here this morning, they can't take my salvation. The world cannot take that from me because the world didn't give it to me, amen? It comes from Jesus. Now let me tell you this while we're on that subject. Christians ought to be the happiest people in the world. And there are a lot of people that are walking through this world and they're struggling because they're searching for happiness. And the problem is happiness, the problem with happiness is that happiness depends on what happens. And oftentimes what happens isn't too happy, is it? But you know what? Joy comes from Jesus and that never changes. Joy comes from Jesus and that never changes. So even when things go wrong, you can just step back and say, oh, well, did your air conditioner go, back, go out last week and you had to pay a bunch of money to fix it? Oh, well, it's only money. I still have joy in Jesus, amen? Uh, and you can look at that in any situation in your life. It doesn't matter what it is today. You might have a problem in a relationship. You might have been given a diagnosis. They might have told you that you don't have much time left. And you look at them and say, friend, I have Jesus. I have all the time in the world. My Bible tells me I'm going to live forever. I might not be here in this place forever, but that's okay. The place that I'm headed, this world's not my home anyway. Amen. We can have joy because of our love and our foundation in the Lord Jesus Christ. His house to us is a safe house, a safe place that we can hide from our enemies. David hid in the temple there from his enemies from time to time. But you know what I'm reminded here this morning is that not all enemies are people. Sometimes it feels like most of the people are enemies, but not all enemies are people. Some of us have different enemies that we're fighting. That maybe we've got a, a problem with something in our family and that enemy keeps rearing its head in our lives. Maybe we've got a problem with, um, there might be somebody today that's struggling with, uh, with a sexual sin or maybe you're struggling with uh, some type of an addiction. Doctor, you had the back surgery and the doctor put you on medication and the back pain went away several months ago, but the back medicine didn't. We have enemies that we are fighting from. And if you want to have victory and you want to be safe from those enemies, you need to hide in the house of the Lord. Amen? And you need to turn to him. We can't have victory uh, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, without me, you can do nothing. And so we're not going to be able to overcome those troubles and those struggles that we have in our lives unless we are turning and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a safe place to hide from enemies. And as I said earlier, it's also a safe place to open up to friends because the people in this place love you and we care about you. The context of this passage is David's you might call it his separation anxiety. He was afraid of not being able to dwell in the house of the Lord always because well, for one thing, David knew what it was like to be separated from the house of the Lord. David had been away from the house of the Lord because of Saul. 
When Saul came to persecute him and and had chased him, David was hiding in caves. Uh, He even went over to the land of the Philistines and different places. He was pushed away from the Lord because of Saul. David also uh, had been pushed away from the Lord because of strife. Uh, You remember the strife that was in his own family, the problems that he had with his children and Absalom and all these different things that happened. And it caused David to be pushed away from the house of the Lord. Not only was David pushed away from the house of the Lord because of Saul and because of strife, but David was also pushed away from the house of the Lord because of sin. David had sinned that great sin with Bathsheba and uh, it forced David away from the Lord and he didn't even fully comprehend what had happened in his life. You might recall the story as we talked about confronting people about things. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do for a person is confront them about their sin. And the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to see David after he had sinned this great sin. And Nathan knew that David had been a a shepherd boy and he knew that sheep were dear to his heart. And he told David a story about this about this man that had just one sheep and it was, it was dear to him. He had this one precious lamb. They kept it up into their family and, and uh, it was precious to them. And a rich man came and took this lamb away from him and, uh, and, and offered it up as a sacrifice, the only, the only lamb that that man had. And when David heard about that, he was enraged. And he says, whoever did such a thing, they should die. And Nathan looked at David. He said, thou art the man, David. Thou art the man. Bathsheba was the only wife that Uriah had, and you took her away. And uh, you're the one that's worthy of death because of what you've done. You know why a lot of people don't repent of their sin? Because they don't understand the seriousness of their sin. They don't understand that it separates them from God, and they don't understand that if they don't repent of their sin, that they're going to perish in hell for all eternity. And that's truth that comes straight out of the Bible here today. Why do you need to repent? You need to repent to be saved. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And without repentance, there's also no forgiveness of sins. You have to ask the the Lord is long-suffering and patient and kind. He's willing to receive you. He's the one that has to draw us, but once he draws us near, we have to be willing to respond. And we respond in faith by believing who he is, believing what he's done, and obeying what he said. Repent of your sins and turn from them and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. (coughs) David feared being kept away from the house of the Lord, and it's my fear also. Friend, don't think because you're a Christian that you can't be kept away from the house of the Lord. Don't think because you're a Christian that you can't be, uh, that a space, uh, a block almost can't come between you and the Lord because of sin and things in your life. I've seen it happen to people. I've seen people that have walked with the Lord years and years and years and years and all of a sudden one day, they're completely away from him. Now we can stand here and debate today about what that means. I personally don't believe a person can lose their salvation. I believe if a person ends up eternally lost, it's because they never truly had it. But I'll tell you this, I stay close in because I don't want to get far away. 
I don't want there to be a gap. I don't want there to be a, a place. I don't want there to be separation between me and the Lord because I know everything that I need is found in him. Amen? When we dwell in the house of the Lord, also we will stand upon his rock. The Bible says at the beginning, or at the end rather, of verse number five, that he shall set me upon a rock. He shall set me upon a rock. And I want to tell you here this morning that there is no firmer foundation out there than on solid rock. Amen. And I want to tell you that what David is talking about here, he's not just talking about any rock. He's talking about the rock. Amen. He's talking about the rock of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. In uh, Psalm 40, he said, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a solid rock and established my goings. That's what has happened to us when we've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, if you're out there today and you feel like you're sinking in quicksand, if you feel like you're on stable, unstable soil, I want you to know that there's solid rock out there that you can get on. And that rock is on Jesus and it's found in him. We don't have to stand on unstable soil today. We can stand on the solid rock. And, and let me also say this, that you don't even have to stand on an opinion today. When we talk about uh, confronting other people and talking about the things of the Lord, you don't have to give them opinion. I don't have to tell people what I think. I can tell them what God said. You got a problem with that, you take it up with him. This is what his word says. We're not, we're not called here to share opinions. We're called to share truth. And that's what we're doing here today. In the book of Matthew chapter 7, the Lord Jesus said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these things, uh, or heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which has built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. Why? Because it was founded on a rock. 15 years ago before I was saved, I have absolutely zero faith in where my life was headed. I believe that my marriage would have ended. I believe that my career would have ended. I believe that it's very possible that my life would have ended. Why? Because it was not founded on a solid rock. But I have absolute faith and trust now. Why? But I'm not trusting in me. I'm trusting in him. And that rock, that's bedrock. It's not moving. The Lord Jesus Christ changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's as solid now as he's ever been and as ever as he will be. And so, so long as we stay upon that rock, we have nothing to doubt or to fear. So when we dwell in the house of the Lord, we see his beauty. We seek his will. We're safe in his house. We stand upon his rock and then, friends, the natural result of all of that is then we sing his praises. Amen. Verse number six says, And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Because when we dwell in his presence, then we delight in his praise. Do you love to praise the Lord? I tell you what, the, more, the closer I get to him, the more I want to worship him. 
We drive down, my kids probably think I'm crazy. We drive down the road sometimes and I just start singing a song. It comes into my head. And I think I mentioned this morning that that song, My Redeemer Lives, has been stuck in my head for, for a couple of weeks now. And I just, I, I love to sing his praises. Why? Because he's been so good to me. My goodness gracious, I know what I was like before he came into my life. I know the path that I was headed to. He, he pointed out to me that I was lost and undone without God or his son. But now I know that my Redeemer lives, and not only do I know that he lives, but I know that he's mine. He's a personal Savior, friend. I shared with the church on Wednesday night that I, had, I was praying there, I think it was that morning or maybe the day before, and I started out my prayer and I said, Lord, thank you that you're always there. And then I, something just stirred my heart and I stopped and I said, wait a minute. Yes, you're there, and I'm glad that we have a God that's sitting on a throne in heaven. But I said, Lord, thank you that you're always here. It's great that you're there, but I need you here. And I'm glad that he is here. He's here with me. He's here in our midst right now. Amen? And I want to praise his holy name uh, for these things. And if you look at the regression there in verse 6, it says that uh, uh, my head will be lifted up. That's confidence. I don't have to walk with my head drawn down and worried about what's going on because the gas prices and the food prices and the government and all of all, it's just so bad. I can lift my head up because I have confidence in him. Amen? So my head is lifted up. My sacrifice is lifted up also. After I am come in his presence, uh, obedience begins to mark our lives amen we lift up our sacrifices we begin to be obedient to the lord and and surrender our lives to him uh, but after our heads lifted up and our sacrifices lifted up then our praise is lifted up and that's thankfulness to what he's doing for us my goodness gracious that's a good place for an amen has god been good to you do you thank him for it do you bless his holy name? We, even the small things, we had, some of you probably know, some of you might have got a frantic text from my wife on Friday night. Uh, we were having this graduation party for our daughter at the state park, and we booked it several, uh, I, I need to quit saying we, Jessica booked it uh, several months ago. And uh, we went up there Friday night, and, and I think one of them went up there to that little pavilion house where we're supposed to have the, uh, the graduation party, and the sign said, Beacom's 624. It said that we had it rented for Friday, not Saturday. And I'm not exactly sure how to define the word conniption, but I think my wife had one <laughs> on Friday night. And I just tried to keep reminding her. I said, honey, be anxious. We talked about this Wednesday night. Be anxious about nothing. But in all things, with prayer and supplication, make your request made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep you. That's the only thing I know to do when you have no control. Listen, most of what happens in my life, I have absolutely no control over. And whether you realize it or not, neither do you. And we walk around angry and anxious and all these other things because of circumstances that we can't control. And what I'm reminding you this morning is to turn it over to the Lord and just trust him. Now, does that mean that it's always gonna turn out the way that you wanted to? No, it doesn't mean that. But it means that somehow he's gonna work through that situation. And he's gonna use those things to the good of those that love him and are called according to his purposes. And as I've mentioned before, sometimes we need a big hug 
And sometimes we need a swift kick. And the Lord's able to do both. Amen? Uh, so I want to encourage you today to, to praise him and, and to bless his holy name. The house of the Lord sounds like a pretty good place to dwell, doesn't it? It's a place that I want to be all the days of my life, and I want to dwell in my Father's house. I don't want to visit there as a stranger. I don't want to stop by uh, as, a, as a vacationer, as a visitor. I want to dwell there as a son. Amen? And I want you to know that he's made it possible for all of his children. What Jesus say? You believe in God, believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. In my Father's house are many mansions. <coughs> Friends, he's prepared a place. What I'm telling you is there's place in his house for you. And there's a place in his house for me and for all of us that have trusted with him. The place that he's made for you, is it gonna be occupied? Or is it gonna be empty? I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out. Not only do I not want to miss out, I don't want to miss you. I want you to be there in that place with us. You guys hear me say it all the time. People say you can't take anything with you when you leave this wife. And I say, that's baloney. I want to take everyone with me I can. I want to take all of you with me. But the truth of the matter is, I can't do it for you. God is here calling you to him. He loves you. And he wants to save you. But you have to do your part. He's reaching down his hand of mercy and you have to reach up with your hand of faith and take a hold of his salvation and say, Lord, I believe you and I trust you. And I'm going to receive your gift for me. A Christian is not something that you can make yourself. You can't declare yourself to be a Christian. You can't say because I go to a church or I was on a membership roll or I went to a VBS one time or I have all the Sunday school pins that were ever given out in the world or you can't declare yourself a Christian because of those things. The Bible teaches a whosoever gospel. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Bible says in John 3 16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life it's a whosoever gospel and you know what else I want you to know it's also a wheresoever gospel you can be saved anywhere you can be saved anywhere that you'll place your trust in Jesus Christ but there's one thing I need to be honest with you about today it's not a whensoever gospel. You can't just choose any old time to be saved. What do I mean by that? I mean that I believe there are people that know they need to be saved and they keep putting it off and they think, well, I'll do it someday. I'll do it sometime. Sometime before I die, before things get really bad, sometime I'm gonna give my heart to Jesus. And friends, for a lot of folks, that day never comes. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. It's not a whensoever gospel. It's a right now gospel. And right now, God is drawing near. Through his Holy Spirit, he is drawing near. And he is calling people to eternal life. Would you be saved today? Would you decide to trust the Lord Jesus Christ with your life? 
Would you decide to, to trust in him, to believe in him? They asked there in the, in the New Testament one time, they said, sirs, what m- must we do to be saved? And they said, repent and believe. Repent. Repent of what? Your sin. Admit that you're a sinner. Lord, I've sinned. Any, any sin is a sin against him. Let me remind you of that. Lord, I have sinned. I am a sinner. And the word repent means that I'm sorry and I'm going to stop doing it and I'm going to turn from that sin. And when I turn from my sin, then I'm turning to my Savior. Amen? You put your sins where God put his son on the cross of Calvary. He'll bear them all if you'll be willing to turn from them today. We're going to stand together now, and we're going to have a song of invitation. This is just a time when we sing together as the Lord. We worship the Lord together. You might want to, if, if you need to be saved today, you come up here and we'll pray together and, and I'll, I'll, I'll take a Bible and show you how you can know that you have eternal life. And if you're here today, maybe you're already saved and you say, you know what? I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I want to praise him. I want to thank him. You come and you can do that this morning. But I want you to know this is a safe house. This is a safe place for you to surrender your heart to him. You come as we sing.